You gotta have a podcast. 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 What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to You Gotta Have a Podcast. I am Angela Palladino, your host, and thank you again for joining me for another episode. Today, I have a conversation with the incredibly funny, incredibly talented, incredibly good at pool, and incredibly well-informed on climate change, Raleigh Williams. Raleigh is a writer, comedian, and YouTube creator, among many other things, who right now is focusing a lot of his comedic efforts in the climate change space. I get a lesson on the difference between pool and billiards, and of course, we talk about climate change in the context of comedy. And how people sometimes want to laugh about something so dire. This was a super interesting conversation to kind of see the way that comedy, writing, and joke telling can be intertwined with all sorts of different subjects from billiards to science. I really enjoyed this chat with Raleigh and I hope that you do too. Here is my conversation with Raleigh Williams. They sent me my degree and I literally haven't taken it out of the envelope yet. So I, I don't know how it's more symbolic <laughs> than anything else, I think. <laughs> yeah, just a piece of paper. Yeah. But thank you so much. That was a very that was a fun day. It it felt I'm sure it looked like it wasn't that fun, but. Uh, you know, I had I had a great lunch. I got to dress up. I walked around my neighborhood in my cap and gown. Oh, really? Yeah, I got a little I got a little fun out of it. And some people a lot of people were like, hey, congratulations. And I think that's all I needed. I needed two of those and I got a couple. That's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Because was it during like major lockdown still? Was it like before vaccines and everything? When, I uh, think it was kind of as right people were getting vaccinated. It was definitely yeah. pre-Delta variant. There were a couple of <laughs> glorious weeks pretty soon after graduation that were just like, we beat it, folks. We really we're licked done. this thing. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that was still during the time where a lot of people weren't double vaxxed. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. Well, congratulations anyways. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was a long, it was a two year. Uh, most of it was in uh, COVID times, but it was a long time. Yeah, coming. wow. You probably had what, like one semester basically of in-person classes? Yeah, I had one unadulterated in-person semester and then a half of one uh, and then the, the lockdown oh, boy. struck. Did you always like want to get involved like in higher ed as far as like pursuing like a master's in anything or was it a new thing that came up recently? Yeah, no, this was a very much a product of me just trying to do a better comedy show at um, (laughs) the uh, caveat theater for real. Like I was I was uh, just studying climate change every month so that I could write better monologue jokes and speak coherently to the experts that we would have on the show. And at some point you just like go through enough climate change material and you realize that every single goddamn expert is like, look, folks, this is going to fuck us if we don't pay very close attention to it. And then at some point it just felt like I had to go back and, and figure this thing out a little better. So you got a master's degree from Columbia to make your comedy show better, is That's what you're saying? Exactly right. And and <laughs> my, my ultimate goal is to solve is to help get climate policy in the work so I can stop making fucking climate change jokes. 
Like <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm trying to put myself out of, out of work in the climate change department. I think that's a noble goal to really Thank just you. like make yourself completely destitute and, and, uh, you know, cut your career out from under you. Well, I have <laughs> other, I have other, uh, uh career <laughs> options. I, I like to think, but certainly know, this I'm one joking. feels like it's got the most, um, it's, it's the most pressing at the moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, you, uh, did you start off like doing just, just comedy and video stuff or how did you start like sort of when you started doing creative work after, you know, high school or during college or whatever? Sure. Yeah, I did. uh, I was doing comedy in college and then I graduated and went to move to Denver and I mm-hmm. kind of weirdly, I got a joke as a microscope analyst for the U.S. government, the most boring branch of the U.S. government, the Department of uh, the Bureau of Reclamation, which is about water. Oh, OK. I so, was like, I have no idea what that yeah, is. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's about like trying to get so like water is kind of, you know, a a system that you need to like reclaim it at the end of its cycle so that you can re-put it in the cycle. So that was hence reclamation. Um, And uh, so I was working for them kind of to pay the bills and I was doing comedy at night, just like every other comedian in the world who doesn't have um, millionaire uh, parents, I guess, or even if they do, sometimes (laughs) they like to get a job anyway. Um, Sometimes they like to be a pleb. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, Yeah. So I was doing that and then I eventually moved to New York to pursue comedy and I was doing comedy in New York. And then I was also like playing this. My I, every time I tell this story, I'm just like, my God, I should have cut some of this stuff out of my life so I could tell a more God. cohesive narrative. <laughs> um, and then I was, I, I also love playing pool. Like that's just mm-hmm. one of my hobbies that I've really enjoyed. And in the same month or so, I got a job from a pool company editing videos and a job from a like a media company doing little like shitty sixty second Facebook bullshit videos Mm -hmm. but I didn't really know how to edit at all so these two jobs kind of taught me how to video edit as I'm still doing comedy on the side really trying to just just do whatever whatever comedy shows were available didn't have a very clear goal I just liked doing shows and and doing improv and sketch and and a little bit of stand-up not much yeah and then eventually I happened upon doing a climate change comedy show that was very light on the climate change and heavy on the con or as heavy as I could do on the comedy. Um, mm-hmm. heavy, on, heavy on the comedy makes it sound like I was cranking out hilarious, like laugh, laugh per second jokes. But, you know, I'm sure a lot of it was completely unwatchable. <laughs> but yeah, so eventually I was doing this. Sorry, what was the question? How did I get into this I, bullshit? Just generally. Yeah. How'd you get into this bullshit? Yeah. 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 So I think it was <laughs> it was really a function of I was doing comedy and then I was trying to make sketches, but I couldn't ever communicate what I wanted to happen in the sketch to an editor. And so I was mm-hmm. like, well, I better, I better learn how to edit myself yeah, um, so that I can kind of just do it. And then through, through learning how to edit a little bit, I got a couple of jobs editing for companies mm-hmm. that didn't care that I wasn't a very good editor. And then I <laughs> sort of learned how to edit through that. Always with yeah. an eye on comedy. I think that's maybe the important takeaway. Yeah, I'm similar. I'm similar. Um, Cause I feel like we met through of video comedy related shows and then we worked together a little bit on some video stuff for maybe one of these media companies that you used to work for yeah um, I, I mean i know exactly how it happened you're being are you being vague on purpose 
Uh, no. I have our timeline I, I think it was tattooed into my brain. Fill me in on my own memories, Robbie. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't mean to tell you what to remember. No, no, but no. I truly, like, I, I think it was a blockbuster video show, but I don't remember exactly. And, and not Mother Future? Mother Future, yeah, that is. I think I just, like, blocked out Mother Future because it was... Um, well, you were my director. You, you, were, you, were the, you were the reason why I made the city bike sketch, which I really had a nice time making. Wow, that's a throwback. I, you know how many comedy videos I've directed? <laughs> Too many well, and, to and remember. I guess technically you were the producer and I was the director. But yeah, you were the, yeah. You were the, in, the, in a macro sense, you were directing all of the videos production. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we were in charge, Cammy and I were in charge of all of the video content, but like not, we were just like overseeing and making sure everybody was like actually doing their video, you know, cause, so we would, wouldn't end up with like only two minutes of a 30 minute show or whatever it was. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I completely forgot about that. What a throwback. God, that was probably yeah. like early 2016, maybe something like that. That sounds about right. And yeah. then in, in 2018, I think because I was working for that inverse company, I hired you to, to do the production on yeah, that Microsoft um, this job. Microsoft job. Yeah. We got paid by Microsoft to do like a gift guide. And so we yeah. had to source all these people. Yeah. Get all and these that, crazy people. <laughs> those are, those are, I think the two big, uh, Angela rally highlights, maybe not even highlights, but like specific lights, I guess. Lasers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, wait, so, okay. So to kind of like get some perspective here. So did you study anything science related in college? Was that like always yeah, an yeah. interest? Oh, okay. I was a biochemistry major, biochemistry oh, okay. theater where my, where my, um, studies in college yeah right very very convincing <laughs> microscope analysis um no i yeah I, I was always very interested in science for the sheer fact that um you didn't have to write a bunch of papers you know i mean yeah. you had to write like lab papers and shit but you didn't have to toil over 400 pages of like dickensian text in order to talk about why ghosts are important in literature or something yeah or yeah. like also you just had answers you know like i, lo mm -hmm. I liked having answers that could be right or wrong yeah there was, there was something in me that needed that yeah no i respect that uh it is it is much more of like an active learning uh I, discipline I feel uh, where you can actually like go out and for example run experiments or things like that um, yeah also yeah. it holds your feet to the fire in a way that I I liked I um, just n knowing that oh I'm just fucked on a test you know like if I don't leave this party <laughs> right now to go study I will not be able to like bullshit my way through an essay like I will just be horn swoggled yeah, yeah, you can't you can't just like put a bunch of like extra words and big like margins in and make it work when it comes right. to, to science. Right. So so uh, so now you've you've sort of transitioned into doing sort of uh you know not only pool related video content which mm -hmm. objectively has some humor to it. I've watched I know nothing about pool other than what I've learned in your videos. I will hey. tell you. Hey. Well, <laughs> then you then you know uh, a little bit more I know, than maybe yeah. the average person now, <laughs> which I'm happy about. Um and I've played pool with you before and can can attest in person that you are um 
shockingly good for some like for for an outsider to just play a pool with a, someone who's a friend and then be like oh shit you're like are a little bit legit like oh it's, thank it's you yeah. yeah i like to think that i could really i could really fuck up anybody that i know <laughs> on a pool table who's not like a, a professional a pool guy yeah. <laughs> yeah um and then so so how did you get into on the other flip side of that what was the impetus for the Al Gore character? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, truly, it was a, uh, a happenstance. I was doing my Chilean minor immersive comedy show at the Annoyance Theater in Brooklyn. Yes, and, you know, I just like that. one of the was, one of the many wild, you know, and weird things that was happening in that theater. The name of that show still makes me laugh wasn't it like the deep dark down dark deep down or something like that? that's that's almost exactly it i think you actually had it in the middle it's just dark down deep down dark yeah um, but it was it was like a sleep no more immersive show um that was really fun but the annoyance was like hey we have another slot open can you put something up and i ended up weirdly i ended up putting up two different shows one was the story of this british like billiard player that I really liked. And the other one was uh, an inconvenient truth to listen up. You fugly dipshits. That was the, <laughs> that was the name of the show. And it was just like a drunk coked out of his mind. Al Gore, who was kind of just like, I fucking told you so. Like that was the, that was the premise of the show <laughs> just because I thought it'd be funny. I liked, I liked the idea of Al Gore, a person I didn't really know much about um, just kind of, riffing about climate change and how right he was and how he was in a in a um big pansexual relationship with a bunch of celebrities and <laughs> i just liked the idea of it uh and then i did that show a couple times and then i did the show at uh, reckless theater one mm -hmm. time and then i did the show i started doing the show at caveat yeah and that's when because caveat is so you know just like i some theater was like, hey, do you have a show you could put up? And I was like, I did this show and I liked it and I didn't really like do it very well either time. So I'd figure, oh, I could probably do it a little better. Yeah. And then at Caveat, I was working with Carly Hogendike. Mm -hmm. And part of the thing about Caveat is that you have to do something like educational. And yeah. my, the previous iterations of the show were not educational in any way. It was just like just Al Gore yelling <laughs> at, at, at sort of an imagined... Uh, yeah. villain that he had concocted in his mind and so mm -hmm. it just became a much more tame like oh this is we're just gonna do a talk show and do like monologue jokes and mm -hmm. and then the, the educational part will be we'll get a real climate scientist in and i'll interview them as alcor yeah that was the premise yeah um and then so we did that show and it and it, the first time we did it it was like a pretty packed house and it worked really well just the beats kind of just flowed together in a nice way. And we had a nice time with the, the um, climate scientist guest, uh, Dr. Alicia Perez Poro. Shouts to and Dr. Then, Alicia. Yeah. Shout out to Alicia. She <laughs> is, she's awesome. I'm actually like talking to her in a couple of days. She's at the cop 26 yes. right now, depending on when this comes oh. out. Yeah. In Glasgow. Glasgow. I just yeah, read it, an article about how their um, menu items, I mean, to be fair, it is Scotland, but their menu items are like really horrible as far as like meeting uh, green standards. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. Things like um, haggis and stuff of not very uh, 
climate friendly to make. <laughs> is haggis not climate friendly? It feels like, well, I guess the the methane in a ruminant yeah. like a sheep would be bad, but it feels yeah. like it's using all the parts of the sheep. Doesn't it use like a sure. sheep's stomach or something? Yeah, yeah. Sheep's stomach and a bunch of awful, you know, livers, brains, hearts, things like that. <laughs> well, awful to you, but yeah, this is a whole, this is a bunch of people who love that shit. Yeah. I mean, it sounds gross. Um, <laughs> I had Scottish, uh, a Scottish haggis recently. I was in Scotland. And I, had some. I think they just call it haggis. Good. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, it was pretty good. You for real? For real, it wasn't bad. Come it was on, looser than I thought it was going to be. Looser? Crumbly. Yeah, it was crumbly. I expected it to be like a sausage more, mm, you know, mm. but. Looser and crumbly is not often the phrase <laughs> I would attribute to a really good uh, meat meal, but. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so she's out in Glasgow right now. She was our first guest. And then we just kept sort of doing this same. It, it changed a little bit iteration by iteration, but it was mostly just me as Al Gore kind of and not a very good Al Gore impression. Like I I, I certainly if I would have asked myself, like, will the, will your impression improve in the two years of doing this show live? I'd be like, of course, how could it not? And it actually like got worse, I think. <laughs> But, but the the point isn't necessarily how good you're nailing the impression, right? It's thank just a, you. this imagined yeah. version of Al Gore. I really appreciate you being on my side for basically no reason other than to make me feel better about my <laughs> shitty impression, Angela. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I think it's I mean, here's the thing. No one's expecting you. Like, also, no one cared. Like, who really knows exactly? Okay, what look, I should have done like. a better job, Angela. We, we, we've, we've reached the point where you don't have to be nice about this anymore. I could have and should have done a better job. And sheer laziness and in, and a lack of preparation were the only things preventing me from it. OK, fair. I'll let you. Thank I'll let you. you uh, I'll let you bag on yourself. But Thank you. I will say so like that show must have required a lot of preparation, though, as far as doing so much more research yeah into it sucked i hated yeah. it it was That's a horrible experience yeah, yeah no it was like uh, for it for every single month it was pain it was awful i was like mm -hmm. yeah it was just like a lot of research and i wasn't at that point i you know i had a bachelor's degree in biochemistry and i had done some lab work but i wasn't like mm -hmm. a climate science guy so i'm trying yeah. to i'm trying to understand this pretty um, industry kind of jargon and and going through all the documentaries I could find and reading all the layman's books I could find and mm -hmm. kind of just getting into it as as earnestly as possible and and even like how much of this stuff do we know for sure and like what do what's the scientific consensus once you get past this whole like oh ninety seven percent of scientists agree like. That feels mm -hmm. simplified to the point of being wrong, you know, like what's what's the truth and what's really happening. Right. And just every time I unpeeled another layer, it was just like worse and worse and worse. And every reputable scientist is like, you guys, this is a big problem. Mm -hmm. And our brains are just bad at dealing with slow moving, invisible, long term problems. I mean, it, yeah, it's just like every single thing I learned about it was was um, a bummer. And it was also like dense. So writing, I yeah. wrote I wrote out every word to every show and I had to yeah. memorize a 20 page script every month. And it just Jeez. sucked. You know, it was like it was fun to do, but it was a real pain in the ass to to make, a lot of work. make happen. Yeah. Yeah. And if I 
if I ever slacked off, like I had a couple months where I wasn't, I just didn't work as hard on it, those shows and they were worse. Like they definitely suffered as a result. And I was just like, I, I can't working for a whole month and then having a good show is kind of not a great payout working mm-hmm. for a whole month and then having a bad show is like, what am I doing? You know, yeah. like I just wanted to eat a fork or something. Yeah. Was the, was the comedy element to it at least like, uh, a saving grace or or was it all just like a, a slog as you were doing it? I mean, the show doing the show was super fun. Like yeah, it was like awesome. I got to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I got to like perform with a bunch of my friends and people I hadn't performed with before. Mm-hmm. And it always had really big houses. So like mm-hmm. it was it got big reactions and people started telling their friends and their friends started coming and it got to the point where I didn't know people like, like three quarters of the audience I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. And That's it was, great. you know, yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was like, there was a hundred people and I didn't know 75 of them. It was, it was like unbelievable. Um, and yeah, so every, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to misconstrue this. Like I did it because it made me feel like a cool guy, you know, like it was mm-hmm. very much, um, a product of, I wanted to do like a comedy show that had a big audience and I finally got to do it. Yeah. And that, I liked that element of it a lot. It's just like the, the journey to get there was just a lot of legwork. Yeah. And a lot of it was stuff that would have to get cut for time. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, you were doing the show for, for like a, a comedy, uh, drive right to to want to have a successful live comedy show yeah wa- yeah, that, yeah and that's that's my my whole thing like i yeah i if it was if it wasn't funny i wouldn't want to do it right so did did you find that along the, along the way though then you like through all that work and research it must have like ignited your passion for climate science and more or enough to make you want to go and pursue your degree and, and then go on and do further climate comedy content which you're working on now we'll talk about in a minute sure yeah i mean look i it's all about the comedy for me like yeah. full stop yeah. i i went to columbia because the comedy needed me to know the information better right like i all i want to do is make a lot of good funny comedy shows yeah and it seems like there's a lot of fresh powder in the climate change comedy world and so that is why i'm pursuing it cool i I also am 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 shocked by the lack of global action on like climate change yeah so that is also motivating me because if there's something this egregiously wrong in the world like oh yeah this sucks and i want to fix it but ultimately like it's a comedic you know thing that drives me so could you see yourself like, you know, say again, five years down the line, shifting to a different like subject matter, but still comedic? Uh, I mean, if if somehow we put a bunch of policies in place that more or less fix the trajectory we're on yeah. climate crisis wise, then yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, hey, yeah, maybe we'll just flip a switch and fix it. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe we will. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a good question. I would love to, you know, like I, 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 I would like to have the option of branching out and I still, I still get to do stuff that's not climate related Mm -hmm. and, and I get to do comedy that's not climate related, but that happens to be the, the 
the thing I'm currently working the hardest on right now. Yeah. yeah. Before we get, I want also want to talk about your other non-climate related comedy stuff and sure. uh, not even just comedy, just like other things you're working on, like pool stuff and, and also. But um, but first, can we talk about Climate Town a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, in the other window on my computer right now is a, a premiere timeline with the latest <laughs> Climate Town video that I've just been banging my head against a wall over. Yeah, so, and yes. I'm seeing your uh, your little YouTube plaques up behind you on the wall there. So, oh yeah. So, uh, people seem to like it on the web. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I mean, it feels great. Like it's yeah. it's getting more attention than anything I've ever done. So it's really nice to know that that um, people are enjoying it. Seemingly, yeah. Did that? Did did uh, the impetus for doing a non Al Gore related uh, comedy video series about climate like? Just did it come from being sick of doing Al Gore, but still wanting to do climate related comedy stuff or um, where, kind of where did that idea come from to do the climate town series? Yeah, I, I sort of had always wanted to do it. Um, it just it to, to, to produce a monthly show and then also to produce like a well done video mm -hmm. every month. It just kind of what didn't didn't work. I would I yeah. would do video stuff just like where I wasn't Al Gore within um, an inconvenient talk show, the live show, mm -hmm. but it was yeah. always really short and it was always very it's time consuming rushed at the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just like a pain to make anything and uh, it's, it's even worse to make it good and mm -hmm. you just have to sort of pick what you're making. Otherwise yeah. you're going to end up making a lot of, uh, mediocre crap like that my, <laughs> my whole life yeah <laughs> and especially for for this sort of stuff where it is so research heavy and script heavy yeah that you can't you well i guess maybe more so now that you are so immersed in the subject matter you've read so much and studied so much on it you can definitely talk off the top of your head on some aspects of it but um for example your video about um the auto manufacturers that I watched recently, uh, it's clear that you had to do a lot of very specific research and write that yeah. script out and then recording and doing all that. I can't even imagine how much time that takes. <laughs> it was, it was a long time. And we recorded yeah. on like, we, we shot on the coldest weekend of like last year and it was just, it was miserable. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the theme here is that I'm often miserable doing the thing that I like to do. <laughs> but, um, so how did how did it feel when you started to put those did you start that like youtube channel from like a net zero and then it just gained um yeah a lot yeah. of attention uh, and followers so i the first video that i did was uh about the carbon footprint and mm -hmm. that video um i it was in the, it, the first like couple of weeks or months of quarantine mm -hmm. i think yeah um and uh, I, I had been like kind of planning on doing this series, you know, after the theaters shut down, I was like, OK, this is kind of it sucks. But this is this is my opportunity to just pivot and do mm -hmm. a digital series. And yeah. so, yeah, so I took what like a bunch of the material that I had done in shows and I tried to cobble it together. And then I just made this one um carbon footprint video and put that out and mm -hmm. that seemed to get a pretty good reaction um and so i was like okay so there's something here mm -hmm. and then i i made that first video and put that out and it got you know five thousand views or something which which is a ton of views 
for me, you know, like I hadn't, I hadn't done a climate changey video that got a bunch of views before. So I was like, great. So there's something here. Yeah. And I made a couple more. And then I, and then one, one video just like got to the top of Reddit and it just got like 10 or 20,000 subscribers. And that sort of was like, okay, this is the, there you this go. is the, yeah, there's like, there's a real future in this channel. Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah. Because how many videos have we all made? You know, you know, this, you've been there, you know, comedy videos in general, no matter if they're science related or whatnot. But then you put like a month of your life into it and then you get like 500 or a thousand views and you're like, cool. But, <laughs> yeah, but when yeah, one I really mean, hits, you're like, <laughs> great, there's something here. <laughs> yeah, It feels really good, especially like being part of a series that you're like, OK, I want to make a series about this. Mm-hmm. And the first episode did pretty well. So it's like, OK, this is. Yeah, it, it turns out my. You know, my goals were not uh, completely wrong in the first place. Yeah. And it it gives you a bit of like leverage and knowledge to build on. I think that's really important, especially yeah, for for any sort of comedy on the, you know, streaming or Internet career these days. It's nice to have that sort of like stepping stone to just build off. And like as you go up, you can just step on on one to the other. Um, yeah. I don't know if that stepping analogy makes style. any sense. Yeah, no, but. it did. You said stepping stones, and then you described how stepping stones work. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. No, it was good. That's. I was like stepping what? And and then you mm-hmm. you kind of yeah. You talked Just about in case it. anyone God, out God, there God. wasn't aware how stairs work. Yeah. Um. Oh, and now so, we're into stairs. Yeah. Oh, I guess it's different. It's very different. Stepping stones and stairs. <laughs> <laughs> one one is a sidewalk and one is a, a carpentry project. Yeah, yeah. One will take you across and one will take you up and over, you know. That's yeah. true. So <laughs> stairs are obviously better. Stairs are like, that's the hard one. I Are they, though? Yes. We don't know. Yeah. No, they yeah, are. I, I they do are. know. They are, they are harder. the harder one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I, I'd like to also, like, chat with you about... Uh, so this season is all about the swerve and like I think we've talked about all the different swerves you've taken from science through comedy and back to science comedy and the many different like mm. live and, and video. But also like you do other stuff, <laughs> usually comedy related or comedy elements woven through it in some way. But um, how did you. OK, a lot of people play pool <laughs> and a lot of people think they're very good at pool and play pool all the time and are good at pool. But how did you get to the point where you were able to, you know, have some aspects of your career be related to making pool videos and being sponsored by Kamui brand? Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way yeah. to go. I think, um, oh, maybe this got ruined by the pandemic, but I remember before the pandemic, you telling me that you were being sent to the World Series of pool, but then did it not happen in person? <laughs> that is that is so extraordinarily close to accurate. That oh, okay. you, you, you basically, it basically counts. Like to, okay. any, to anyone else, they would know exactly what you're talking I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. Anyone in the okay. pool world would know what you're talking Would be able to parse that out, no problem. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was going to play in the U.S. Open. Oh, okay, yeah. And it was going to be April of 2020, but of course Jesus. that got canceled. Yeah. So I know I was no longer... A participant, a yeah. But how did you get? How did you like get from just being a 
pool player as a hobby, as an avid like enthusiast to getting to be like having some professional aspects of your career related to the pool and the pool industry. Sure. Yeah, sure. I, um, I mean, I really liked pool. It's a, it's, this is a, I got it. I got I've told this story a handful of times on various, I, there's a lot of billiards podcasts that I've really? been on that I've been like, how, how did you get to where you are? And I'm like, well, here, let me tell you, Nate. Should, wait, real quick. Should I be calling it billiards? I'm like, yeah. I'm okay. I mean, this is a cool. great question. This is an amazing question right here. Billiards is an umbrella term relating to any cue and ball sport. Oh. Whereas pool is an American colloquialism referring to the ante room of a betting parlor where they would pool their bets. And to make it not boring, they would put a billiard table in there. And that just became called a pool table. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I would. So in betting parlors, Board the place yet? where you pool your bets. Bordiet? Oh, oh sorry. Bordiet. I, was saying, I thought you were you saying a French yet? word. <laughs> I was like, what's Bordiet? <laughs> wow. You, you really are giving me the benefit of the doubt at every possible turn, Angela. I really appreciate it. Listen, you're the one with the master's degree from Columbia, Raleigh. Wow. We all bow to you, baby. <laughs> Holy shit. I had no idea how misguided all of you are. <laughs> yeah, no, so um uh, yeah, so people would would bet money on a horse race for instance and cool. in order to figure out who's betting what, you have to pool all your bets and figure out and who's betting. And so doing then they them. put a billiard table in there. Mm-hmm. Ah, and there wow. might have already been a billiard table in there, but it it just became a a staple in because it's like another thing to bet on. And yeah, let me yeah. tell you something about gamblers. It's an addiction. <laughs> they are, they <laughs> love it a little too much. So it just kind of uh, propagated across America. Cool. Uh, well, I didn't know that. You learn something new every day. Um, yeah. So how'd you get into, how did you like, What? tell me about your, your ride, the rise and fall of Raleigh and Billiards. Oh my God. The fall. Holy shit. The rise shit. and rise. <laughs> right, thank you. The, the rise and plateau at the moment. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, I, I loved pool. I've always loved pool. My grandmother had a table in her basement and, uh, I was too short to use it, but it was fascinating (laughs) to me as a concept. Mm Um, and I eventually I moved to New York and I was like playing in a pool league in Mm -hmm. Manhattan, which is an amazing experience. If you ever get a chance, you'll become a much better player. Um, some people in a pool league are insufferable dipshits. So, you know, fair warning, (laughs) but it's also a fun time. And I was between jobs and I thought, Oh, I'll, I'll reach out to a couple of billiard companies and see if they want me to work on their social media for them. At this Mm -hmm. point, I hadn't, I hadn't really edited any videos, but I felt as though I could learn pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to this. The first company I reached out to was a company in Japan called Kamui. Mm-hmm. And they eventually reached back out to me and were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do, I'll do videos for you. And then they're like, OK, well, here's a ticket to Japan. We want to talk to you. And I, w- I flew out to Japan for a week and wow. they were like, OK, let's let's do it. Here's the job. And then I got the job and I started editing just highlight reels together. And then mm-hmm. eventually I thought, oh, it would be cool if I because there's like so much lore in the billiard world that no one knows about. So you're familiar mm-hmm. with like Michael Jordan in basketball. Yeah, of course. And you know that you do you know what I'm saying when I say the shot. Yes, I okay. think so. Yeah. And so <laughs> if, if you're listening to this right now and you don't know what I'm saying, the shot is a very famous shot that Michael Jordan took at the last second that 
put his team ahead. I think it was it was maybe game six to go to game seven or it was game six to clinch the series. Um, it just, mm-hmm. But it's just like a very impressive and important. I, is that accurate? Yeah, Do you have more I think details that's accurate. Yeah. 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 It was a hard. I mean, it was a hard shot. <laughs> I think it was it was it was uh, maybe a three point shot and there was maybe a push off involved. But there's it's yeah. been, anyway, there's like an important <laughs> shot in in basketball. And that, that mm-hmm. same sort of thing happens in billiards. There's like all these major professionals who have to hit this amazing shot at the right time. And oh, my God, they do it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it'd be cool to do a series that's like, well, what are the odds of that working? So, like, let's say you're an average player how could you make how many times would it take to make that shot if you're just trying your hardest and you get to learn from every mistake you make so mm-hmm. i mean this series called your average pool player about you know like recreating famous shots from pool history mm-hmm. and like the first video got a million views in a week or something wow. i was like oh shit this is like I'm going to do this. And and then Kamui brand was just like, Hey, you just do that. Just do all of that. Do whatever you want. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> they, they rule. I love that. Kamui brand is amazing. And they've every, every step along the way, they've just been like, look, we don't want to advertise. We just want you to talk about pool passionately. And that's the video. And I've said, yeah. great, no problem. So I've just been doing that for the past couple of years. That's really cool. Thank you. So I think I've seen a couple of those. Is that So you're you're trying to recreate this one famous shot or varieties of famous shots. And right. you like track how many times you do it. And you like sort of leave them across the screen. It's really crazy because I think one of the ones I saw it was like, hundred or something tries <laughs> there was one yeah the this this one impressive shot from this this british guy named jimmy white took me like 80 tries or something and i was just wow. there at the pool hall for an hour and a half just like sweating it out on the table it sucked yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and through these videos that you make for kabi brand so are these videos on their youtube channel yeah yeah cool starring and, and made by you that's right. And just talking about pool and all the fun things that there are to talk about pool. Basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so through them, is that how you had the opportunity to go to the U.S. Open? Yeah. That then yeah. didn't happen I mean, because of pandemic, but. <laughs> correct, correct. I had, the, I had the opportunity, though. Yeah, you were exactly yeah. right. The phrasing was so, was perfect there. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Were, were yeah. you meant to go as like a press? Or like to no, make videos? Or were you going to play? I was oh, going to cool. compete. Yeah. Well, the important part about the the U.S. Open is the last word, which is open, open. which is yes. to say if you have a thousand dollars, you, Angela, could play in the U.S. Open. I could play probably one game. Well, and you, you are guaranteed two games. It's a double oh. elimination tournament. So you could. Okay. I mean, you would have had the same amount of games as me. Right. Because I was going to go and get my ass handed to me. <laughs> but, you know, never happened. No. Um, well, maybe it'll happen when they open it back up to everybody. Yeah. Maybe next 2022. Year. U.S. Open. 2022. Open. Yeah. The Open Open. The U.S. Yeah. Open is open again. Well, right. hey, I hope that I really hope that you go and I hope that you kick some ass and get to at least the second round. <laughs> well, absolutely not going to happen, but I appreciate the optimism. <laughs> Thank you. Um. So so through all of these different things that you sort of have interest in and spend your time doing and have made a career out of between video and various different forms, uh, comedy, climate science, and also pool. Am I missing anything? I don't think, I hope not. 
Jeez. <laughs> if you are, then I, I, I'm behind on something. I mean, I'm behind on four things, but I'm not behind on five things. So. <laughs> yeah. And, and if I was even going to streamline that list a little more, I would say like, I like to make comedy videos. And if somebody is going to pay me, I'll make them about what, you know, like, you know, I'll, I'll just I'll just make a comedy. If, if, if it's something that I firmly believe in. I'll make a comedy video about it, you know? That's true. I mean, I've also seen you make plenty of other just sketch videos that have nothing to do with any of those things. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but I guess it's comedy video and just comedy in general that you can make it about anything, but you do have, like, specific expertise in, like, the areas of climate and, and pool. So you find yourself, like, focusing more in those two general vicinities. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I, just, brand. I just know what I'm talking about in only two areas. <laughs> and so I kind of I kind of have to make shit about billiards and climate change because those are the areas that I have a goddamn clue about what's going on in. Yeah. So what do you think? So is it is it comedy that's always driven you and then it's just sort of like taken the form of those areas because that's what your interest is in or? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I yeah. Mean, I yeah, yeah, I I don't want to be in a position where like I'm doing something that I don't want to do. Yeah. And so it it just so happens that I've been colossally lucky enough so far to make a, a bit of a career out of making comedy about stuff that I'm. I'm interested and passionate about. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to last forever, but for as long <laughs> as I can, I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, I totally understand that. I do similar. Um, I'm personally very interested in like true crime, but also like travel and history. Mm. Um, and I've made a lot of my work sort of focused on those areas because I'm like, well, if I get to do what I want, then I'm going to make it about this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you yeah. get too interested in travel, you might be the subject of a true crime, too. That's true. Honestly. <laughs> and then it could be a travel true crime. Yeah, but you wouldn't get to do it. <laughs> so you'd be you, the or crime would have been. I, well, ooh, twist. We don't know. Uh, <laughs> you say that like you can't, you know, listen, we can't predict the future and nothing lasts forever. But like if you got offered to make anything you wanted a series on Netflix, for example, tomorrow, where, what direction would you take that in? Do you think? Climate Town. I mean, Climate I mean, Town. I'm literally pitching Climate Town right now <laughs> as a show. Like that's that's what I would want. Yeah. 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 I just, you know, like I think it's it's and if maybe like in the future, I hope to also have like some kind of dumb billiardsy show but mm. right now it's just like the climate crisis is we are staring down the barrel right now yeah. and it's just like I, I i only don't feel climate grief to an absurd degree because i'm like thinking about ways to communicate it all day mm-hmm. but i think it's i think as the years go by like like two three years from now i think it's gonna it's going to feel much more like a world war than it does now. Yeah, I, I feel you. What a blending. Do you find that like um, d- comedy is the better of many <laughs> genres for sort of getting people to pay attention and listen to to the science? I think that's, a good, think? that's a good question. I, I mean, uh, and it's a huge conflict of interest for me because I have to say yes, because that's what I'm trying to do. Right. right? Uh, <laughs> no, I, th- I mean, I think it's like a useful tool. It's just a, yeah, it's a, it's a useful communicative tool. 
but it's not the only tool, you know, like, yeah. like probably the things that stay with you the most are like ultra high drama shit. You know, like I'm sure you can remember watching a really sad movie as a kid and remember exactly how you felt and where you were and even like mm-hmm. what shirt you were wearing. So I, I'm sure there's something to be said about touching at the heartstrings, but yeah. I think the comedy for me is I, I'm just like, you know, I'm not a good actor and I'm not very good at drama. So <laughs> that leaves comedy. So yeah, you know, that's what I got. I also think that there's a certain level of absurdism to the climate problem that we have because it's abs- the the absurdism in in like the fact that it the the cause is often very absurd things happening like all these like horrific things that these companies do and especially i know that you break them down into like really concise like look how stupid it is that these companies are doing this arguments in some of your videos do you think that that like absurdism like part of the climate problem is like what kind of lends it to comedy more yeah i mean i I think i think uh yeah that's a good question about absurdism i'm not sure i fully have a good handle on what is absurd i think if you get deep enough into actual actions people have taken it doesn't it sort of trends away from absurdity and just Mm -hmm. becomes like oh i see why you know exxon mobile chose to bury the science instead of propagate it you know i see i I can see the board meeting in my head of like okay guys we either have to do this or this and if and if we like show everybody our work it's gonna really take a huge chunk out of our bottom line and it's 1983 Mm -hmm. And the bottom fell out of the oil market. So like we're already hurting. We're already bleeding. Mm -hmm. It's probably not going to be that big of a deal. We don't even know if our scientists are right. You know, like you Mm -hmm. you can just see all the, you can see the, the, the cogs turn and it, it trends away from absurdity. Mm -hmm. I think for me, the, the most interesting way to uh, like is, is hypocrisy. I think like that's comedy lends itself to hypocrisy really well because the alternative is like, I can't, can you believe, Oh, it's like very pearl clutchy and very Mm -hmm. annoying. So I think the only, yeah, for, for me, I think it's like hypocrisy to point out a hypocrisy is really annoying unless you're doing it in a funny way. So that's, that's the best way to do it. I think that's exactly the nail on the head. I think my, uh, use of absurdism earlier was maybe not the right term, but I think his hypocrisy hypocrisy is exactly it. Yeah. I think when you, when you think about it, like it is absurd that a company would sacrifice its customers in order to make a profit because the profit comes from customers paying it money. And mm-hmm. if the customers are doing worse, then it's not going to get the, you know, it's just like, it's just, yeah. it truly objectively is an absurd decision <laughs> and a series of absurd decisions when you, look at it bluntly and in a sort of an aggregate or a simplified way. But I think in the same way that like a mosaic, that might not be the right, a collage or something looks like one thing until you zoom way in and it, it kind of, you know, reses itself into, into visibility. I think you can really see that it's, it's made up of a lot of decisions that you or I might make given different circumstances. Yeah. And I think like the hypocrisy element, you know, for climate change and for many sort of, I know I've like, I, you know, used to have a a big interest in political comedy, um, but then, you know, kind of fell off of that 
uh, interest in the last few years because it's just got really depressing. Um, also sort of lends itself, I guess, I mean, obviously climate town and any climate related com- comedy is, has political elements to it, of course, because it's related to politics. Sure. Pointing out hypocrisy in a funny way is <laughs> much more effective than just being like, can you believe? <laughs> yeah. It's just more palatable too. Like yeah. it just gets really old and annoying unless you're mm-hmm. being creative about it. Yeah, totally. Would you, would you, um, one last final thing before we go. Sure. From your perspective, would you qualify Mm -hmm. your sort of career and trajectory as swervy or do you, do you see it more as like a straight line or forks? Uh, I mean, it feels pretty swervy. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's certainly like, I didn't really know what I wanted to do for four or five years. And I think if that's ever the case, you're going to have some swerves. Yeah. Cuz if you don't if you don't have like a destination in mind then a, a, a swerve it, it just feels like the the continuation of a straight path but it's really a swerve. And I, I feel like it sounds like especially with your trajectory that you know you started studying science in school as well as theater and then got a little bit away from science as you were doing comedy and sketch but then sort of were pulled back to science through your comedy. Yeah. Um, I mean I will say I all that time I was like I had a job as a tutor and I was teaching Mm -hmm. like biology and chemistry and math and shit. So there Mm -hmm. might not have been a time in my life when I wasn't actively involved in some element of teaching science. Um, And like even inverse was related to like tech. Yeah. It's like a sciencey, techy, comicy thing. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that funny how science tech and like nerddom now are just (laughs) like comics and fantasy are all sort of, intertwined it must it must be part of the like nerds took refuge in the computer lab i think it's a symptom of big bang theory oh god damn (laughs) i wish wish you hadn't have said that (laughs) all right thank you so much raleigh for joining me on the podcast this was a really great conversation i learned a lot and and it was really interesting to sort of go over how you know, you're kind of swerving in and out of these different disciplines, but you're still sticking along your path. Comedy first. I really, really respect that. If you're interested in seeing more of Raleigh's work, you can subscribe to Climate Town on YouTube or you can follow Climate Town on Instagram or follow Raleigh himself on Instagram at Raleigh Williams. As for me, I'm Angela Palladino and I'm here every week. And if you don't know that by now, you clearly have not been paying attention and I'm going to need you to listen up. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. This season continues to swerve on down the road and you've been here the whole time. And listen, for that, I thank you. I'd really appreciate it if you could like and subscribe to the podcast and maybe even give it a rating or a review if you have a minute to sort of type that in with your little thumb things there. It would mean a lot to me and it would really help me out. As for me, you can follow me on Instagram at AngePal or on Twitter at Ange.Pal. And, you know, I'm going to be here next week. You know where to find me, swerving all over the goddamn place. Thank you again for listening. And until then, I'll talk to you.